Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. Well, what a privilege. Come with me in your Bibles. It's all good. Where should we start? Let's start in Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we're doing a series at the moment called Culture Clash. And I kind of said it in the, the 9 a.m. And it's just, it's worth repeating that there should be a culture clash between the world outside the doors of the church and inside the church. There, there, there should be a culture clash. I honestly believe that we are failing you and failing God if, if outside the doors is exactly the same as inside the doors. If it's, if it's torrential downpour outside and you come running and we're like, come into church, come into church, and oh, we've removed the roof, and it's exactly the same in here as out there. There's no shelter. So the, the church should be different. The, the, the church is meant to be a, 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 an appetizer of heaven on earth. You're meant to experience punctuated moments of heaven. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The one place that sh should be fastidious in doing God's will is the house of God. I, for the life of me, don't understand pastors who think, well, you know, we'll compromise this so that we can be more like them. Because if we, maybe if we're more like them, they'll, they'll come in. And, uh, but uh, I'm not smart enough to, to compromise this because I know that when people come in, they usually come in, many of them with terminal illnesses, and they're looking for God. Is there a cure in God? The doctors have given up. Some of them come in, and they're, they're, they're steeped in addiction, brokenness. They're, they're overwhelmed by depression, anxiety. They, they've lost jobs. They, they've been fired. They've been let go. They, they, they're overwhelmed. They're, they're hopeless. They, they come in on the brink of divorce and marriage and fighting and no answers. And, and they come into this house. We, we better have some power in here. And this is what I know, that if I, if I dilute this, I dilute God's power. If I dilute God's word, the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't watch, he doesn't watch over the philosophies of men, but he watches over his word. The Bible says, and the apostles went out preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with signs and wonders following. If we want signs and wonders following, then we have to preach the word of God. Come on, how many people thank God for a church that refuses to back up, let up, but we'll keep pressing forward to preach the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So the title of my message this morning is A Culture of Awakening. A Culture of Awakening. And the reason I, I, I chose this this morning was that I, I believe that everything grows in an atmosphere. Everything grows in an atmosphere. Everything lives in an atmosphere. If you read your Bibles, which we encourage you'll find that God does something very, very sneaky. God, God, God is wonderful. And as you read your scriptures, you, you'll find that God has some, what I call very, very predictable patterns. I know that we, 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 we hear rock stars say that God moves in mysterious ways. 
but I don't know if, if, if uh, you know, I want to take spiritual guidance from Bono. So I'm just going to kind of stick with what the scriptures say. And you'll actually find this the opposite. God, God moves in very predictable ways, very predictable ways. One of the things that we read in scripture is that God creates an atmosphere and then he fills it. He creates the sky and the firmament and then he fills it with birds. He creates the seas, the ocean and the rivers and then he fills it with life. He fills it with fish, with whales, with dolphins, with penguins. He creates the land and then he fills the land with animals. One of the things that we learn is that, that things thrive in an atmosphere. Uh, humans thrive in the atmosphere God designed for it. If, if I want to go to the bottom of the sea, I can't survive in that atmosphere unless I take this atmosphere with me. I have to take the atmosphere that God designed it with me. Otherwise, if I go to the bottom of the sea without air, without oxygen... <laughs> I'm not going to, if I go into outer space, we can walk on the moon. We can go into outer space if we take the atmosphere with us. We have to take atmosphere because the atmosphere there is not conducive. Bible says Jesus could do no mighty work in his hometown, save he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And Jesus marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. And he says, your unbelief is, is what's shutting down the flow of power. And he says, and it stems from a lack of honor. It stems from a lack of honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his home country. And so, so one of the reasons that we work very, very difficult and very, and, uh, very intentionally on creating a kingdom atmosphere, why... why the persecution that comes and the, the, the negative things that are said and all, all the kind of stuff, I, I just won't back down because I know that if I preach the Word of God, unafraid, unashamed, I can create an atmosphere where His power can travel. If I have to take the atmosphere that God designed for me to thrive in to the bottom of the sea, or if I have to take that atmosphere into heaven in order for me to live, in the same way, I must then ask the question, what atmosphere does God move in? What atmosphere pleases Him? The Bible says He loves an atmosphere of worship. If you were to go to heaven right now, it is filled with worship. If you were to go to heaven right now, it is filled with praise. Therefore, we know that we've got to have praise and we've got to have worship. We've got to write songs like revive us. We've got to write songs like come what may. We've got to write songs of authority. We've got to write songs that create an atmosphere where God can move. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk into a building on a Sunday that is an event center or a function center Monday to Saturday. I want to walk into the house of the living God. I want to have an encounter with the Almighty. I walk into a culture where things that are dead, that are dormant can awaken. So in 2005, Leanne and I uh, we landed in, in San Diego with our three little boys and uh, we went to Alamo rental car. We rented a car and, and uh, we just thought, let's just, just kind of get out. And for me, it was a, a novelty driving on the right side of the road. And thank God now I believe it's the right side of the road. But down under, they do everything upside down. They drive on the left-hand side of the road. And uh, so you know, again, and I'm trying to just get used. I'm trying to acclimate. And, and, and I, I can still remember like yesterday, I got onto the freeway at Del Mar and I'm heading north, and there's Via Della Valle, and I can still see the golden arches of McDonald's. And as clear as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit, uh, Ito, the, the Holy Spirit says to me, he asked me a question, he says, hey, Yerkes, what kind of church are you going to plant? And I was so 
excited. I'm like, well, you know, the church is going to be, and then it was going to happen. And, you know, this kind of what I said. And then I realized about maybe 30 seconds into it, he wasn't asking because he wasn't sure. He wasn't asking because he didn't know. And then I realized, oh, just let me back up. I said, um, um, Holy Spirit, what kind of church do you want me to plant? And we believe that's a much better question. God, what kind of church do you want me to plant? And it was really interesting. He gave me three words, three words. He said, fresh, real, powerful. I, I, I'm telling you, as clear as I'm standing here, Jim, fresh, real, powerful. It, it, was, it was kind of like this, like it was his, his desire, almost like a commission, a lament, a command. It was, it was all of that in one, fresh, real, powerful. The other night I, I woke up as I was kind of contemplating what, what, you know, Lord, what would you like me to bring? What would you have me bring? Sunday when the, with the beautiful people, the world changes of Eastlake. And he said, uh, he said, I want you to preach fresh, real, powerful. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's a little basic. You know, I don't want Pastor Mike, genius engineer, to fall asleep. See, if you, Katie's had to bump him a few... Good girl, okay. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, fresh is when you find me in the Word. Fresh is when you see God in the Word. He says, I don't want you to, 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 to bring to San Diego just, you know, like, uh, the, the, you know, church Sunday, check the box, you know, uh, the bulletin. Just follow along in the bulletin. Pastor's notes were in the bulletin. Jesus had blank disciples. The answer is 12, 12 disciples. And Jesus was from a little town called Nazareth in the region of blank, anyone, any, Galilee, Ga, you know. And, and he said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to bring fresh revelation. The, 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 Bible, the Bible teaches us that, that uh, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter it was the glory of kings to search it out. That, that, that God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And it's there in the scripture. And so he says, I want you to bring fresh revelation. Fresh is when people read this and they see me. They see my hand. They see my ways. Real is when you see yourself in God's, God's word. Now, that is an interesting moment. That's where I am... I most closely resemble Homer J. Simpson, where I see my, oh, and I see myself, oh, gosh darn it, oh, ah, and sometimes it can hurt, it can hurt, like I've seen myself in Saul, I'm like, gosh darn, I've seen myself in Samson, gosh, and I see myself in the word of God, it keeps catching me, I'm like, man, I'm so jacked up. So fresh is awesome because I see God, but real I see myself. Listen, you don't want to go to a church that's not real. You don't want to go to a church that's full of facade and, you know, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Greetings and salutations, brethren. Well, you know, when I'm fasting, I'm not even hungry because I just want to do the will of my Father in heaven. No, I went to a, ch I went to a church once. I went to a church, and, and, uh, and the pastor was away. He was on a sabbatical, and the associate got up, and, he, and, and, he's, and he's doing this. He's like, yeah, I've been fasting fasting. I'm not even hungry. Because my will is, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And everyone's like, and I'm, and I'm sitting on the front row, I've got to preach. I'm like, man, I suck. Because just, just, just me thinking of fasting makes me hungry. This guy's fasting. 
and he's not even hungry. And he's kind of pacing like all intense like this. And he goes, yeah, you know, so hungry right now. Haven't eaten for 10 days because I'm fasting. And I thought, you just said you weren't hungry. And then he's just, anyway, just, I thought, oh, thank God we don't have a church that's like full of, what? Stop, stop, be real. Stop, you know, trying to pretend that I'm such a man of God. Since, ever since I became a man of God, I no longer sweat. No, no, I sit in saunas. I'm like, what the heck is, oh, that's right, I'm anointed. No wonder I don't break out in sweat. I save a lot of money on deodorant, don't need deodorant anymore. Body odor, personal hygiene, thing of the past. I no longer floss because I'm a man of God. Cavities just heal instantly. The gingivitis I once had just vanished when I got under the anointing. I mean, let's, how many people know, thank God, thank God for, thank God we need real in the house of God. We need real. Powerful, powerful, powerful. This is what God showed me. Powerful is when fresh, I see God in the Word. Real, I see myself in the Word. Powerful is where one and two collide. Powerful is when I see how awesome God is, how jacked up I am, and then powerful is where God comes and the God that is awesome reaches out to me that is broken and lifts me up. The Bible says in Psalm 40, He lifts me up out of the miry clay. He sets me on a rock. He makes my footsteps firm. He puts a new song in my mouth. Praise to my God. Salvation comes. The God that you and I live with is a God who is fresh, real, and powerful. He wants you and I to have a fresh, real, powerful experience in church. So come with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 11. Let's read this pretty quick. In Matthew chapter 11, I'm gonna, I was going to read from my Bible, but I'll read from from the, the monitor, Matthew 11, in the New King James, same translation Jesus used, same one Jesus used. It says, now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he parted from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and they said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Are you the John's about to be beheaded. He knows he's only got moments left in this life. And so he, he wants to know, did I fulfill my assignment? Did I fulfill my mission? If I'm going to stand before God, I want to know that I fulfilled my assignment. And so Jesus answers and said to them, go and tell John the things that you hear and the things that you see. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, the second scripture I want you to turn to, and it's all going to make sense in a moment, is Exodus 23, 19. Exodus 23, 19. This is a little bit of a naughty scripture because I've always wanted to preach on this scripture. I've always wanted to preach on this scripture, and this is the first time I get to preach from this scripture, and I'm so excited. All right. So it says, the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord. We just heard this great message from uh, the handsome Chris Aguilar. The first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I love that scripture because I feel like, wow, God, you're like me. We both got ADD. Like, you shall bring the first fruits of, and don't boil goats in your mother. What? Oh, I forgot to tell you, don't boil a goat in its mother's, what? What? Bring, bring the first fruits, bring the tithe 
and stop. Now, the reason I read that is there's a number of you, it's become apparent, Miguel, who are boiling young. No, that's not true. So three quick thoughts, fresh, real, powerful. The three points that are easy to remember, fresh, real, powerful. Point number one, fresh. The Bible, the Bible teaches us that, that John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. God and His Word are inseparable. God is the Word and the Word is God. In, in the Word, sometimes words can, scriptures can be obscure like, thou shalt not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Weird. Okay. If Pastor Stacy even suggests it, I'm going to pull her aside. Remind her what you say. But how many people know that, that there's incredible wisdom sometimes in what can seem obscure? That in wisdom there's obscurity or God doesn't hide things in the word from us. He hides them for us. You know, we, we, we have four kids and every Easter when they were little, especially we would hide eggs in, in you know, for Easter. You know, Leanne was never out there going, <laughs> they'll never find them here. <laughs> no, she wasn't, she wasn't hiding it from them. She was hiding it for them. God has hidden things in the scripture so that those who care to look, those who care to study, those who care to do a deep dive, those who care to peel back the layers, those who care to do some investigation, those who care to, will find things that are mind-blowing. So here is a scripture about bringing your first fruits, honoring the Lord. And in the same verse, the same verse, it says, you shall not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, when we were in Israel, they, they were trying to tell us that's why you can't buy a cheeseburger in Israel. You can't buy a cheeseburger because they say, because of that scripture, yeah, see, you shouldn't mix dairy and meat. So you can't put cheese on a burger. And maybe, maybe they have some dietary revelation on that, that cholesterol or whatever. But I actually don't believe that that's what it's saying. I don't believe that that's the inference. Because it doesn't, otherwise it would say, don't cook a young goat in milk. But it doesn't say that. It says, thou shalt not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. God is trying to say that, that, that there is a transgression, there's a violation of an invisible law that if you take the milk that a mama goat produces in order to nurture, in order to nurse, in order to strengthen, in order to give life and sustenance to her young, if you somehow think that it's appropriate to now take that goat and take that milk that was, that was designed by God through nature to nurture, to, to bring sustenance, but you're gonna now boil it in that which was meant to bring it life, uh, there's a violation, there's a violation. So this week we were down in, in Rosarito, Mexico, and we were visiting with our, with our orphans. And what was crazy was at the same time as we were down there 
with our beautiful orphanages and these beautiful little children doing cartwheels and handsprings and running around. And, you know, one, uh, you know, saw beautiful Pastor Katie's nails. One of the benefits of pregnancy is, you know, nails and just comes to life. It's, it's amazing what it does. And, and she was like in awe and ah, and then, you know, Pastor Katie pulled out lipstick and put lipstick on this little girl. And then she wanted to do the same for Katie and, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> no, not really. And, uh, you know, put lipstick all over, you know, beautiful Katie's face. And it was just this, this beautiful exchange, this beautiful moment. And we're walking around and these little kids are just smiling and they're just, they're happy to be alive. And, and you hear the stories of, you know, unwanted, abandoned, rejected, but thank God weren't aborted. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Right now, there are people marching and picketing, you know, harassing Supreme Court justices because they're demanding that we slaughter the, the, the child in, in the womb. And here we are. And I thought, man, you couldn't get a greater contrast. They want to murder innocence. And we're here to, to, to minister and give life to innocence. I thought, man, what, what a contrast. Well, while we're sitting there eating lunch, a report comes in that there's a school shooting. There was a school shooting in Nevalde in Texas where, where, you know, 19 students and two teachers are shot dead by a crazed gunman. And, and the reports start coming out that the police did nothing. The police stayed outside over 40 minutes. The police didn't even enter. And one of the reports that I heard was, well, you know, the police didn't want to go in because they didn't want to get shot at. They didn't, they didn't want to get shot at. And I thought, well, uh, I know police officers. They, they, they have tactical training. How many people know they don't do tactical training for elementary school kids? So you've got an active shooter with elementary school kids. You have tactical training. You have weapons of lethal force. You have numbers. You have a number of people with guns. You also have vests that can, if not completely absorb a bullet, can at least slow down and, and uh, retard the impact of, of the bullet. You could put yourself, but, but then I hear stories of, of women who were tasered for wanting to climb the fence because their children were vulnerable. And I thought, my God, what is going on? And we've got people screaming, you know, uh, abortion laws. And then, then I remember the Holy Spirit said, this is the spirit that has risen in the land because remember COVID. And I'm like, well, what, what with COVID? And he says, well, in COVID, what do we do to our children? What did we do to our children? What we did to our children during COVID is we put them in masks. Children had the least infection rate. They had the lowest transmission rate. It was almost 0.0000001% transmission uh, rate. They had the lowest death rate. It was almost a 0% death rate for, for children from COVID, yet we locked them down. We isolated them. We shut them down. We forced them to go onto online classes, online learning, learning in front of a, a computer. We separated from their friends. We masked their parents. Now studies are coming out, and the studies that are coming out are showing that the, the, the little infants who uh, in 2020 were one, two, three years of age, they learn to speak by lip reading what they're hearing. And because people were in mass, they're saying it's the same, the same symptoms for these kids as autism. They're saying because of the online learning, which didn't work, where a lot of these kids are two, even three years behind the educational curve for, for, for their age. And I thought, what kind of a culture sacrifices the children for the adults? God warned the children of Israel. He says, when you go into the land, 
when you go into the land that I've promised you, I'm going to be driving out the Hivite, the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Ammonite. I'm going to drive them out. And the reason I'm driving them out and the reason I'm bringing you in is because of their wickedness. The land is vomiting them out because they've polluted and defiled the land. When you go into that land, do not adopt their practices. And the first thing God says is do not offer your sons and your daughters to Moloch. Do not make your sons and daughters go through the fire to Moloch. It is for this reason that I'm driving them out of the land. There is an inversion that is a perversion in a land that, that sacrifices its children for the adults. Can I just tell you, we have Memorial Day this weekend because we had a generation, a righteous generation, the greatest generation, the hero generation that sacrificed as adults so that our children and children yet to be born could live in a land of liberty, could live in a land of justice, could live in a land of freedom from tyranny, could live in a land of opportunity because they sacrifice. There's an inversion when we sacrifice our children for, that's why you don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Because there's something that is violated, something broken. The reason we stand for life is Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me. If we can't protect the least, the, the, the least vulnerable, well, what in the case of rape and incest? Do you know that's not even 0.1 of a percent? Over 99.9% of abortions are convenience-driven. Convenience-driven. The contrast, and the reason we stand for life, there are other options, sweetheart. But what, what if they're raped and, you know, and the pregnancy? Well, why, 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 somebody did evil, why would I kill an innocent, why would that innocent person have to die for the sin of somebody else? What? 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 But we live in an inverted, perverted world, and you need to understand it's a spirit, and it knows that if, if this spirit can have its way in the land, it'll bring chaos, because if you won't look after life in the womb, you won't look after life in the age. Every single nation that has abortion legalized also is fighting for euthanasia. They're trying to pass a bill, AB 2223, saying, well, we don't even just want to kill babies in the womb. We, we want to make it a parent's right to kill it, you know, six weeks after they're born, nine months after they're born, 10. And then you have these idiots going out saying, oh, I think a mother could, should be able to kill at any time. I mean, what the heck? Don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. We need to stand for life. Whatever you did for the least of these, how you do anything, how you do everything. If you're unfaithful in what is least, unfaithful in what is much. Number two, number two is real, real. Uh, when I first got saved, become a Christian, first thing that happened, lost all my friends, lost all my friends. All my friends turned against me. And uh, I remember this one morning, I was, uh, I was up early uh, in going for an early morning surf in Australia. The wind usually comes up. Uh, around 7, 7.30, so you try to hit the water, you know, before 6 if you can. If, you know, sometimes we paddle out and it's still dark, but, you know, glassy conditions. The wind follows the sun. And, uh, and this one morning I'm up and uh, eating cereal with my younger brother, and he starts telling me, he goes, you know Flanagan hates you, my best friend Peter Flanagan. I said, Flip, I noticed that. He goes, you know Daniels hates you. I'm like, Daniels, Flip, I taught the guy. Oh, man. And he said, Rollsy hates you. I'm like, well, with a name like Rollsy, who really? But, you know, he's going through all my friends. And he's telling me how they all hate me now, now that I'm a Christian. And then he finishes, he goes, yeah, and you know what? I said, what? He goes, I hate you too. 
my own brother. And so I didn't want, to see, I didn't want him to you know, see that he hurt me. So I just said, well, I've got a friend you guys don't have. He goes, yeah, who's that? I said, Jesus. <laughs> and kind of ran into my room. And uh, when I got saved, the, the guy who led me to Christ, Jim Norman, gave me, gave me a Bible. And it was, it was kind of like this, but it had a white vinyl cover. And he gave it to me, you know, now that you're a Christian, here's a Bible. I'm like, whoa, you know, I got saved on a beach. I'm going to follow God, but <laughs> I don't know about this thing. Because I knew people at school that were Christians and they would study the Bible at lunchtime. So they would sit in a classroom and study at lunchtime. Lunchtime was for handball. Lunchtime was for playing pranks on the girls. Lunch, lunchtime, you, you got eight periods where you're sitting in a classroom studying. And so I remember just kind of making this vow, like, God, I'm going to follow you, but I don't want to be one of those nerd, weird people. So, you know, yeah, hey, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. And I put it in my bottom drawer. Well, now I go into my room. My brother just told me he hates me. I tell him I've got one friend you don't have, Jesus. And I go into my room and I'm crying. And somehow my Bible is not in my drawer. It's sitting on top of my desk. And I'm not sure just because I had tears in my eyes and it was white and the light was weird, but it looked like, looked like it was glowing. And, and, and I felt this impression, read it. I don't even know where to start. Read it. I've never read the Bible before. Read it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I'd never read the Bible, never read the Bible in my life. So I grab the Bible and I open it and it falls open to, math, uh, to the Gospel of John chapter 15. Never read the Bible in my life. And the first thing my I see is verse 18 and 19. First thing it's, I see, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because I've chosen you out of the world, because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And I remember just dropping the Bible going, it was like one of those freaky experiences. God began to show me that I could find myself. I could find what, so the, the first year of being a Christian is awesome because it's honeymoon. Like Bible roulette was awesome. God, I'm going through something. Oh my, you did it again. Like, you know, and then after about a year, it's like, you know, after a year, you're like, God, I, I really need relational advice. Thou shalt not eat anything with a cloven hoof. Are you saying she, you know, so, and so, so God's like, no, it's honeymoon period's over. You know, you've got to start reading it, digest it. But it's just awesome. So I found that the God began to speak to me. I mean, this, this, this one time we were doing this, uh, this project and um, we were youth pastors now in New Zealand and uh, there was never any money in our, our church budget. So if I needed staff, which we did, the, the church was growing because the youth ministry was growing. And so uh, we, we got to do this, this uh, job for a developer's son who bought this beautiful home right on St. Helier's Bay, right on the cliffs. You, you look out, you see Brown Island and Waiheke Island, Great Barrier Island in the distance and the beautiful aqua green water of, of uh, the, uh, gosh, um, the Waitemata straight through there in just stunning. And so we're clearing all the shrubs. Everything was overgrown. And he spent 850 grand on this house. It was a two-bedroom house, but it was right on the cliffs. You know, unbelievable view. And, uh, 
and we were you know pulling out all the shrubs everything everything was overgrown and so the the the, the jerry the, the manager comes out and he says oh listen the boss the you know the boss's son he's going to be here you know he's the one that bought the house he wants to meet you and say thank you personally you know, for you with your youth group doing this fundraiser, we're going to get about $14,000, which meant that I could put um, uh, uh, one of our volunteers on two days a week. That was enough to kind of pay her salary for two days a week for, for a year, and that meant that we had some work. And so anyway, so, so he pulled, so I see this, this, this navy blue 7 Series BMW pull up, and he says, oh, you know, so I walk up, and I'm standing there at the, at the driver's door when the back door opens, and I look, and then I realize the driver's door has a driver. And I look, and I'm 28 at this age, uh, at this stage, and he's 28, and uh, same age as me, but I'm here in dirty hands and sweats, and he's in this sharp suit, tie, shoes, Gucci belt, you know, and I'm just like intimidated. And he puts out his hand to shake my hands and, and genuinely says, thank you so much for your, you know, clearing. And so I'm like, oh. You know, you're welcome. And I said, man, you know, what a beautiful home. What a beautiful home. Wow, what a beautiful home. We just bought a home for $106,000. And he bought this one for $850,000. What a beautiful home, man. Once we've cleared it all out, you'll have unspoiled views. It'll be, he goes, oh, no, I'm knocking it down anyway. I said, you what? He said, yeah, you know, I bought it to knock it down. I said, you're knocking it down. I said, yeah, but thank you so much. You know, me, you know, and Jerry will make sure you've got a check at the end of the day. Well, at the end of the day, Jerry comes up to me and he says, oh, you know, Here's your check. I said, man, is he re he's really, he just spent 850 grand. He's going to knock this thing down. Yeah, yeah. And he'll probably spend, you know, about 700 to a million building, you know, a stunning custom home, overlooking this, vanishing edge pool, the whole thing. And I said, how much will that be, be worth when it's, when it's finished? He said, about three and a half to five million. So I'm, I'm good at math. So I'm like, he's, he's, he's in it for, you know, 1.8 at the most. He's going to either double, maybe even triple his money. The next day, I'm, I'm driving to, to the Coromandel to, to go for a surf, and I got Bible on cassette. Back then, it was Bible on cassette. Cassette. Bible. And, and it gets to the parable of the talents. And in Matthew 25, it's... It, it, Tells, you know, one guy was given five talents, another two, another one, and the guy with five traded with five and produced five more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you that. You, you've done this. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here, take charge of 10 cities. Well, the guy with two talents took the two, invested it, doubled it, became four. And the master says, well done, good and faithful. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, here's four cities. But the guy with one buries it in the ground. He does nothing. And the master rebukes him. You wicked. So I hit inject. And, and I was this close to winding the you know, flinging it out the window. Because I'm like, God, that's me. I'm the one talent guy. It's not fair. Yesterday we're working for a five talent guy. He's got, he, 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 he could invest $1.8 million because he's got it. And he can double it. I said, I would borrow $1.8 million if I knew I could double it and then pay it back. And then I'd go from poverty and struggling into having one point eight. I said, God, it's not fair. The five-talent guy's got it easy. The two-talent guy's, I'm the one-talent guy. And God agreed with me. He's like, yep, you're a one-talent guy. I'm like, well, don't agree. God, you're meant to be encouraging. He's like, you're the one-talent guy. He says, but you were doing the same as the one-talent guy because just because your dad disowned you 
when you went to Bible college. Just because your dad said, because you're leaving engineering and you go to Bible college, not one cent, you will not get one cent of, just because your dad, doesn't mean you bury your talent, doesn't mean you don't invest. I say, God, I can't invest. I can't invest because I don't have anything to invest. I'm living from hand to mouth. It's not fair. These are the fat cats. They have five talents and they can invest and they can make money. They can keep getting richer, but I'm stuck in this poverty cycle. And God said to me, you're not stuck in a positive pot in a poverty cycle of your hand, you are stuck in a poverty cycle of your mind and a poverty cycle of your heart. And I didn't want to hear it. But it was, it was the real moment in my life where I realized God was right, that I needed to make a shift. So then powerful, point number three, powerful happens. So Jesus is preaching. John the Baptist sends two disciples. Are you the one or do we look for another? Jesus says, go and tell him the things that you see and the things that you hear. The blind receive their sight. What does a blind person lack? Sight. So Jesus gives them sight. The deaf receive their hearing. If you're deaf, what are you deficient in? Hearing. He says the lepers, they need cleansing, they get cleansing. The dead, they need life, they're raised back to life. The lame are made whole so they can walk again. And the gospel is preached to the poor. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Just want to throw this out there, Jesus. The blind guy, he wanted to see, you gave him sight. The deaf guy, he wanted to hear, you gave him hearing. The leper, he needed cleansing, you cleansed him. The dead guy, he needed life, you gave him life. The lame guy, he needed hear, you gave him the poor. What about some gold bars? What about a winning lottery ticket? A winning scratchy? How many people know that Jesus didn't jip the poor? Right now, you right now you just hit a wall. You just hit the spirit of the culture versus the spirit of the kingdom. The mindset of the world and the mindset of the kingdom. You, you just hit it. So the blind, he gives sight. The deaf, he gives hearing. The lepers, he gives cleansing. The lame, he gives wholeness. The dead, he gives life. And the poor get given the gospel. I want to put it to you that Jesus did not jip the poor. For years, the Holy Spirit would do this with me. Many years ago, about maybe 10 years ago, we, we did a carnival trip. To, you know, we went to uh, all the way down to Puerto Vallarta. And one of the nights we went off, kind of, we just kind of found a restaurant. We went, but we had to go through a little bit of a sketchy part of town. And they told us there was some interesting gang activity and drugs and trafficking and stuff in that place. And, you know, we were kind of told to kind of stay together in a group. And I remember just having this thought. It was like, you know, the Holy Spirit generated this thought like, what if, what if I got separated? And what if I got kidnapped? And what if they took my passport and took my ID and my wallet and took everything and then just, you know, abandoned me? Could I get back to America even though now I no longer have a passport, no longer have an ID? How could, how could, I, could I survive? And I began to look around at, at, at the impoverished state and 
I thought, well, you know, uh, I, 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 could, I could work. I could work straight away. I could, you know, I could cut hair. Everyone's got hair and everyone needs it. I could do that and generate some money. But then I also have a mechanical engineering background. So I could, I could fix stuff. I could fix broken stuff. I could put stuff together. And then, then you know, I, I could, the climate was warm. And I thought I could sleep on the beach. But one of these, there was some kind of shanty shacks. I thought I could, I could, buy, could buy one of those and then live. No, no, what I'll do is I'll, I'll rent it. I'll rent it out. I'll put somebody else in there. I'll put a tenant in there. That was two incomes. I'm earning income, but I can sleep on the beach. I can rough it for a season. Put someone in there, get double. And then, you know, I could buy the one next door. I could buy the one next. And then I have two. And then maybe the, three. And I could, buy, I could buy one, two, three. I could buy three. I could, man, I could be making one, two, three. And plus, and maybe, maybe, maybe I could share. Maybe I could put bunks and give them a lower. And so I'm thinking all this. And the Holy Spirit said to me, these people have those same opportunities, but why don't they take it? I'm like, well, they don't know. He's like, exactly. That's why the gospel is preached to the poor. Because poverty is not a condition of the wallet. Poverty is not a condition of the bank account. Poverty is always a condition of the mind and the heart. Jesus gave the blind what they needed. He gave the deaf what they needed. He gave the dead what they needed. He gave the leprous what they needed. He gave the lame what they needed. He gave the poor what they needed. And watch this. We were stuck on the ground as humans because of a thing called gravity. Gravity kept us on the ground. But from the year 1900 to 1905, two brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright, they, they, they created three gliders and then three motorized, what we would today call planes. They were very crude. But being bicycle mechanics, they owned a bicycle shop. They, they began to understand Newton's law. And if we can put the screen up, they began to understand Newton's law of reaction, of action and reaction. They discovered the law of lift. The, the law of lift works like this. Has anyone here ever had to kind of, you know, uh, stay in a hotel, motel, and, and you, I'm going to take a shower, and you get in the shower, you turn the shower on, oh, it's, you know, too cold, or oh, that's too hot, and you get it just right, and then you, you pull the shower curtain. You pull the shower curtain, only to find that as you pull the shower curtain, the water coming down causes the shower curtain go, yeah, yeah, Nobody, just, okay. Um, it's, it's, ew, get, you know, and, and, it's, it's, and, and what happens is because the water coming down, it's air flowing over and it causes it to rise. It causes it to move. So the way a plane takes off is the air goes over the bend of the wing and it takes, it supersedes the law of gravity into the law of lift so that it can take off. It can take off. That law was there the whole time. That law was always there. They, they, they printed on page 18 in the, the newspaper, the article of Wilbur and Orville Wright flying 153 feet. But then they, it was kind of a caveat was in there. If man was meant to fly, God would have given him wings. But now thank God we can fly all over the world because of their discovery. Their discovery was they discovered a law that was there it was there all the time. God had put that law into the world. He didn't hide it from us. He hid it for us. But until you discovered that law, 
you and I were, were, were sentenced to just gravity was the predominating law until you discover the gospel poverty dysfunction brokenness limited is the law until you come into the law of the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of life which will cause you to elevate which will cause you to thrive which will cause you to soar let me finish whenever I go to Starbucks it's still such an embarrassing experience because I walk in and they're like you know uh, flat white, what's your name? And I say, um, why? They're like, oh, no, I need to put your name because, you know, you're not the only flat white. I'm like, oh, God. Um, do I lie? Do I? No, okay, Jurgen. Burger? No. Um, <coughs> Jurgen, Jurgen. Ye- Ye- Jaeger? Jaeger? No, no, that's Mike and Katie. No, um, uh, I'll, I'll spell it for you. J-O-Jurgen? No, 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 the J's. So I, I, for them to get it right, I have to do what? I have to, have to spell. I have to spell it for them. When 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 you go to school, when you go to school, they have a spelling bee. They have you know spelling bee, spelling competitions, and so you know they put someone on stage. You know, Stacy Capaldi on the stage. Your your word is hypotenuse, hypotenuse, and then you have to spell the word. You know, H Y P. Now I'm in trouble. O-T-E-N-U-S-E. Hypotenuse. Well done. You have to... Every word, every word has a spell. The word gospel comes from the old English God spell. God spell. Every word has a spell. That's why we do spelling. Witches cast spells. Spells are words. Everybody is living under a spell. Everybody is living under a word. I lived under a word. My father told me because my mother was pregnant outside of wedlock before they were married that I was an accident. I wasn't planned. The inference was that I wasn't planned, desired, or wanted. I lived under the spell of that word. My father made it a point to tell me how disappointing I was my whole childhood that I never amounted up, that I never measured up, that I, that I was never enough. And so I lived under the spell of the words of his disapproval. Jesus grew up in a town called Nazareth and there was a spell, there was a script, there was a word, there was a narrative over Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Even the Pharisees said that the the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. This man came from, from Nazareth. Can anything good? Check to see yourself if anything good, if any prophet has ever risen from from Nazareth. There was a spell over, there is a spell over, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, there's nothing more we can do for you, you are now terminal, T-E-R-M-I-N-A-L, is a spell that comes over your life. That's why when they walk into this house, we better not be diluting this word, because this word is the God spell, it's the gospel, and we want to bring people out from under a spell of limited, out from under a spell of hopeless, out from under a spell of death. 
death, out from under a spell of dysfunction and destruction. We want to bring them under a different spell. We want to bring them under the spell of heaven. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. God is indistinguishable. He is inseparable from His Word. His Word is Him and He is His Word. When you come into this house, there is a power that is released from His Word. When you come under that Word, you come under that power. It is a power that will elevate you from the gravity, from the things that keep you down, that keep you poor, that keep you broke, that keep you addicted, that keep you in dysfunction. It is a power that elevates. It's a power that liberates. It's a power that saves. It's a power that heals. It's a power that delivers. Fresh, real, powerful. Powerful is engaged. When you find Him in the Word, you see you in the Word and you say, God, I want to come under Your Word. Mary, how does she bring forth Jesus? She says, let it be to me according to Your Word. It's impossible for a virgin to give birth. But she says, nothing's impossible if I come under your spell, if I come under your word. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm out of time. Lift your hands high to heaven. I want you to, I want you to do something. I know this is normally like, well, this is for a DNA class or a freedom weekend, but we're going to do some DNA freedom right in here right now. I honestly have a firm conviction that nobody should ever walk out of church the same they walked in. Not if we're doing it right. I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit just to take a moment to bring a word. Maybe you live under a word that life's like this. Maybe you heard like I did, money doesn't grow on trees. It's difficult. Some of us, we come from words of familia. See, the only way, the only way that I could break out of if I was in the middle of Puerto Vallarta, the only way it could is to not think according to my circumstances, to not allow my circumstances and my situation to bring my thinking down where I accept that as normal, where I accept that this is just the way it's always been. There are some people here, divorce, dysfunction, infidelity, mom cheated on, dad cheated on. Maybe it's sickness. Well, you know, just sickness just runs through our family, son. Well, you know, we, we, we've always got, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure. It's just, you just got to be careful with what you... What words are you living under? I've got to tell you good news. When you come into this house, the gospel, the God spell is preached to the poor to break the spell of poverty, to break the spell of limited mindsets, to break the paradigm of limited thinking. Father, I thank you right now, every hand raised, I thank you for breakthrough. And we cancel the words and the assignments of the evil one. I break the spell of every lie. I break the spell of every word that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, I renounce every alignment, every agreement that I made with words that are not in alignment and in agreement with your word. I come out from under those words and I come under your word. I have what you say I have. I am who you say I am. I can do what you say I can do. Breakthrough is my portion because I am your child in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise. 
Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.